0: Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original Troubled Man for Troubled Times and future Mayor of New Orleans, Mister Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny.
1: Thank you again, Renee. Thank you once again, Renee, and thank you for getting me out of the house. Yeah, yeah. And thank you to for bringing me to the fabulous ring room where we are in the beautiful heart of downtown New Orleans. Yes in the horrible heat
0: it was so hot yeah, today it
1: was it was brutal today
0: <laughs> fortunately i didn't have
1: to go outside much but when i did it was it was awful you uh-huh. know so I, but i thank you yeah, <laughs> yeah thank yeah. you it's nice and cool here in the rain. Yeah. room and, and i asked myself how did you convince me to do this yeah and I- then i asked myself how do i get out of this <laughs> <laughs> and i said what is the point and what is there to be gained uh-huh then i asked myself what is your middle name <laughs> cuz <'Cause laughs> i don't know your middle name <laughs>
0: My middle name is Renee Is Renee? Yes, that's my, my middle name So it's
1: Renee Is Renee Komen? Yeah, yes <laughs> <laughs> It's very Jewish yeah. Something true. And you're, you're a converted Jew You're a Jew I am, uh, yes. you know, So it's yes. Renee Is Renee Komen Sure,
0: sure, why not? <laughs>
2: okay,
1: I dig it It's like yeah. Ishmael, Izzy uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah
1: Okay um, uh, So yeah, uh, thanks again for bringing me here So how have you been?
0: Uh, been good. Uh, you know, it's God. It seems like just yesterday. Yeah. I saw you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got to stop doing that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. Well,
0: because I'm going to be on uh, on on uh, going out on tour with the iguanas through the Midwest. Right. so uh, we're, yeah. gonna, we're we're doubling up this week.
1: So you're playing for all those fat cows in Iowa. Well, and, we'll uh, see. Michigan we'll and see. Ohio
0: Whoever's there, we're going to play for. Nebraska
1: for, who, for
0: Whoever shows up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do you be, ever stage dive with those crowds? Do you ever do a stage dive? Uh, no
1: No. No. You no. Know? You got some Iowans or some, you know, no, Ohioans no. I, or I, Nebraskans? No, I
0: don't have that kind of insurance.
1: You don't have that insurance? No, they don't cover no, no, you for that? No, no. <laughs> Who's the promoter?
0: Uh, you know, they have it's different promoters in every city. You know, we're playing at the wonderful Fitzgerald's uh, Great American, uh, whatever they have. They have a Fourth of July festival every year. Right. First time we ever played in Chicago was. For this guy For this festival Yeah So this is uh, So
1: do you Do you think now That we're in a new Kind of America Where there's so much hate And you're a band That plays like Latino type music Right Do you fear Maybe like some Fucking fat cow White supremacist Wearing a MAGA hat (laughs) Says you know Fuck you Mexican And even though You're not Mexican Right 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 Just targets the
0: whole place Yeah
1: targets Uh, You know
0: it, 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 It could happen But uh yeah, you know, we're flying under the radar, I suppose, you know, try, okay. trying to not to
1: make too... Because big... your crowd is like the 60 and over crowd, Well, right? that's not true, but
0: yeah, well, you it's, know. it's an adult crowd, you know, people right. that have jobs and money, yes, it's, uh, you know, they have uh, houses of their own, automobiles, they're not living in their parents' house, yes, they're they're gainfully employed, they're yeah, postgraduate graduate in, in many so cases. So you make
1: sure they're sauced up before they <sighs> watch you, pretty much. Well, you
0: know, the... Uh, or at
1: least the icy hot is working right
0: sure make sure all the (laughs) meds are kicked in you know the
1: preparation Uh, age
0: you know all that
1: stuff is working
0: I don't know know. what, uh, what what was
1: that laxative back in the 60s and 70s that worked for everything
0: Uh, I think um, she's had it, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think they're watching the uh, Democratic debates tonight. Oh, okay. (laughs) Is that a... Excuse us,
1: nation, but that's my wife.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What was that... uh, Yeah, I Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it Um, was that like Something
1: M.O.? Yeah, it it was a PM or something. Yeah, I don't know. What was that? It it was a commercial, like, every five minutes. It was on the air. Yeah. It was, like, something that was supposed to cure all.
0: Right. Well, remember Geritol at commercials? Geritol, yeah. Wife, I think I'll keep her. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was
1: nice. Geritol, sure, yeah, yeah. So, so you're going away? <laughs>
0: going away. Going Thank away. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. Man, he's going to get a break. Man, he's going to feel like he's going on vacation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not showing up here. Exactly. At your house to, uh, but we do have one more before I go away. We have the fabulous Mr. Quentron coming. Yeah, that's there. later
1: in the week. Yeah, 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 yeah or whatever. Yeah, next yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, next week. Well, you know,
0: it, it was just one day, but it's. I feel like it's a good day because. Um, no close friends or heroes of mine passed away today. Oh, yeah? That's, that's, I said none of them did. Oh, none
1: of them passed yeah, yeah. So away. It's, okay. So
0: it's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been... New
1: Orleans a, has not been kind to, like, celebrity or musicians Yeah, lately. it's been tough,
0: man. It's been, yeah. a, been a tough string, you know? Yeah. Um, so so was, who
1: was it? Uh, no, oh, nobody died.
0: No, yeah. no one today. Yeah, no, we yeah. had uh, I mean, I'm sure the, there the were deaths, Dr. But no one John, Dr. John, the, um, um,
1: the, the Dave Bartholomew, Dave
0: Bartholomew, Leah Chase, Dave, Lea Chase, Lil and, Buck Senegal, yeah, Senegal uh, Spencer Bourne, Ray Nagin. Well, no, <laughs> Ray Nagin's well, quite alive. lot. he's dead to me. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead to <laughs> and he me. he owes you $80, right? Yeah, he
1: still owes me 80 bucks for yeah, that yeah, Cox bill but, that he, yeah, yeah, he said he was going to fix gonna for me. take care
0: of it, yeah. You know,
1: and so you're good, though. So I'm good. One's dead,
0: no, no one's dead, no one's yeah. dead, and and, uh, and you know our, our guest uh, woke up from the anesthesia, so that's good, that's positive yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah you know? exactly. that's a positive yeah, right yeah, yeah, there yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and who's our guest tonight? Well, our guest is a is a very interesting guy. he's a, a New Orleans native. He grew up in uh, Reefer Ridge, yeah. <laughs> as it's sometimes known. River Ridge is officially known. Um, we're going to find out what high school he went to. This is always a you know, very, uh, very pointed New Orleans question. He's a, an AP photographer. He, he was uh, based in, in Washington, D.C. since uh, 2002, but since uh, 2010 he's been based in New Orleans. Uh, also worked for the Washington Times and uh, New York Daily News. Um, and, and he's had a lot of interesting assignments So we're, we'll get right into him uh, And he's
1: a, he's the, he's a photographer Foto- is
0: that, yeah. Did I say that? Okay, I yes. don't know if a, you said that AP photographer yeah. But he's also a writer I believe Also does, does some writing perhaps Just We'll, we'll, f- we'll I... figure that out He knows how to read and write though so uh, <laughs> <laughs> So without further ado Gerald Herbert Welcome Gerald
2: Thank you, or uh, Gerald A. Bear, as most of the state troopers around Louisiana know me.
0: Really, because <laughs> they can't spell it. You can, <laughs> right. but they can't.
2: Right. Yeah. I'm always Gerald A. Bear, but they never spell it that way.
1: Right. Does huh. it say that on your AP press badge?
2: Or are uh, they just it, they sometimes just, they, it does. The Louisiana Press Association has a, and sometimes it comes out as Herbert. Sometimes it comes out as A. Bear. But
1: I mean, A. Bear is a huge name down here in the South. Has it ever like? I mean, have you ever thought, well, fuck, I'll just go
2: as an A bear now. I pretty much respond to anything people call me. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been called some ugly things. So yeah, yeah. I turn around and look if it's yeah, ugly. Yeah, yeah. I, I right. it. Well, so
0: because uh, for the people not from New Orleans, A bear spelled H E B E R T. Right. Um. So it looks like Hebert, but yeah. everybody down here knows it's A bear. Right. Um. But your last name is actually Herbert H E R. B e r t, yeah. and it's right. pronounced Herbert. Herber, yeah. <laughs>
2: and there's a guy in Canada who has an email g a bear at domain dot com, which I won't mention. And uh, he gets half my mail, and he oh. started sending me angry letters, emails. Oh, and I was and finally it, made it, friends with him. I said, "Hey, I just right, <laughs> I live right. in southern Louisiana and." So does he sent
1: them to you in we, French we forward, and English. No, we just
2: forward each other emails. I'm like, I think this is for you. Oh, nice. Okay. He's like, I think this is for you. Okay,
0: well, shout out to uh, Gerald Daybear up yeah. in uh, Canada. Well, I've known you a, a while.
2: Yes. I think
1: I've known you a well. while. So, give us a little background. Uh, uh, y- y- you got into photography right out of college, and you went straight to New York. I think.
2: Uh, no, I went to I went to Boston. Okay, I went to college in Boston. I okay. was the one of. The youngest of eight who flew away really far.
1: Right, yeah. and uh, so I know the other seven, and I know why you did that,
0: yeah. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> so more of an escape. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, it took a long time to get the courage to come back and co-mingle with my siblings. But I'm joking. Uh, Boston, I was in Boston for uh, six years, and New York for 11, and D.C. for 11. Oh, wow. And then move so, back home. So, that's, so a that's quite a while. 28 years, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when
1: did you go to Boston? What year was this? Like 88? 82. 82. Oh, God, 82. Yeah. All right. So that was really, you went to college. So straight out of high school, really, for you to Boston. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then you just. Stayed. First time
2: I got on an airplane. Oh, really? It was my 18th birthday. Oh, the drinking age was 18 in new orleans right ah. it was 21 in boston oh geez i had to what say what was it goodbye. on the plane <laughs> oh. <laughs> <What was laughs> I, I didn't need any more on the plane yeah. i think it was an all-night affair oh geez i think i surprised my mom at 6 a.m and showed up and said she said you got a 7 a.m flight and i said let's go i mean fortunately yeah. lived 10 minutes from the airport somehow i made it right it's
1: always convenient yeah yeah so your first like gig as a photog what's your first gig um, I mean, did you work for the college newspaper or did Yeah, you? I
2: started working for the college paper. And then when I came home for the summer, uh, I had a brief internship with the Times-Picayune. And then I went back... When it was, was a paper. Yes, when it was a paper. <laughs> yeah. When they had... When the newsroom was teeming with reporters and photographers. Right. Yeah. And they actually made money and had the manpower to actually produce a lot of news. Which, unfortunately, uh, most news organizations are just... Skeletons of what they used to be, yeah. right. and it's another sign of America's decline that people are becoming less and less informed and uh, believe in anything they hear, whether it's
1: well. I think they're getting too much true. informed, don't you think? Because there's just a glut of just like information out there that's like, really, I, I right. don't, I don't believe this, unvetted. Yeah, information. <laughs> it's like, okay, right. wh- who is this saying this and stuff like that. You know, but you're also a Pulitzer Prize winner, right? No, absolutely not. No, you're not. No. Well, I for the purpose of
0: this podcast, let's say you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. we're, 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 we're Why, you? yes. We'll cut, cut this part <laughs> out where you say no. Oh, no, we'll no. You on. you won a Tony, I think. Yeah, That's
1: yeah, what yeah. it no. was. You um, played uh, Liza uh, in uh, uh, Liza Doolittle, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> I that. It was a fantastic role. It was a perfect. You were role great you. in that. Yes, yeah, exactly.
2: But yeah, I am not a Pulitzer Prize winner. I will say, when I was with The Washington Times, we were. A staff runner-up for our coverage of the DC snipers for oh. our photo coverage, and I had a big part in that. That um,
1: was the peop- the father and son thing, wasn't no, it? No, yeah. well, it, well, uh-huh. it
0: wasn't, wasn't. actually a related two guys, but it was an older guy and a younger guy, and the the oh. older guy kind of had a, a fatherly, you know, oh, hold okay. over the over the, oh, okay. the younger guy. Right. Man, I I was my band was playing a lot up in DC when that was going on, and uh, we actually had. Uh, like uh, we our vehicle was parked in a parking lot that somebody got shot in and they while we were playing and they had it all cordoned off, it be- became a crime scene.
2: Wow. Where <laughs> where was that?
0: Um that was uh gee, what club was that? Covered that? Like almost the, every like the one, Twist and Shout or something like that, or maybe there was whatever club wow. uh followed the Twist and Shout. Um but but yeah yeah it was uh, that was going on all, you know right right while we were there a bunch of times so so you covered all that right? yeah
2: that was freaky times because even just covering it you know I've covered a lot of things all over the world uh-huh. and, and I've covered some pretty horrific things but that was freaky because it was happening in your own community and it didn't seem to have an end and it was totally really, at random yeah. yeah. And so many people, myself included, when you go pump gas, you'd, like, hide behind the gas pump. Right, <laughs> you'd, yeah, like, walk serpentine to, that, yeah. To, yeah. to get a soda. You yeah. know, you'd, you'd be doing this little dance, moving, oh, like geez. you're a moving target when right. you're pumping. Oh, and you started realizing that these guys were hitting uh, gas stations near interstate exits. Yeah. In the, you know, in the inside the beltway, mostly, uh-huh. or just outside the beltway, but right near the beltway, and, and most, most of them. And um, you realize, like, that's where I'm getting my gas right yeah. now. And, it, and it, it trained people to start behaving in a way and thinking about things and fearing things that you wouldn't um, normally think about. Right. Oh, you know, sure. kind of like what Katrina did to New Orleans, but in no way in comparison to the massive upheaval and suffering that people went through in Katrina. Right. Other than the families of the victims and the victims Sure, themselves. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those people killed a lot of
0: of folks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and terrorized the, the whole town, for
1: sure. So you're in D.C. after Boston, but you were in New York, oh, too. I in New York, for, 11 yeah, years, yeah. Yeah, 11 years, because uh-huh. um, we have a friend of ours in common uh, who uh, says that you followed, um, uh, there was a great one, when, when um, Gorbachev came to New York City, you covered that.
2: Yes, I was, yeah, that was one of the things I covered. I think I was with the AP then as a yeah. stringer. Okay uh, but yeah, Gorbachev came to town with Reagan, and, and uh, I had a little piece of that. I covered a few of the uh, which when I was in Washington, you know it was the same thing. I covered the White House for seven years and Okay,
1: but so you actually had access into the White House mm-hmm. for, wh- for which president? When did it start?
2: Uh, the last six years of Bush and the first year of Obama. First, and then
1: after Obama, you after one year of Obama, you decided to leave. You came. I transferred to, home. Yeah,
2: you, you came. home? I had an opportunity okay. within the AP to transfer back home to New Orleans, which I jumped on. Okay, okay. and Katrina ready. had yeah. a lot to do with that. Okay, yeah. I just ever since that happened, I wanted to come. But you didn't home. cover the Clintons. Uh, I a little bit For, when I was with the Washington Times, I had a couple assignments where I photographed. You know, Do you pardon, have any good stories the about the Clintons, no. about
1: Bill? You have no stories?
2: No. I just remember, you know, when I was at the New York Daily News and he was campaigning, I just remember them getting off the plane and, uh, you know, the whole family. And, and um, I, I was like, how old is Chelsea? <laughs> She looked pretty. She was, like, all pretty, and, and, and she was, like, 14 years old, and I was probably, like, 25, and I'm like, oh, well, give her 10 you years. You dirty and, old man. I know. <laughs> she, was, she was cute. She's lovely to this day, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. So, okay, but do um,
1: you have any Gorbachev stories, or you just no. saw the parade no, and just, stuff? Yeah. yeah, just like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so now you're with Bush. you got to have some stories about Bush and Rummy. I know there's some stories about Rummy um, and Cheney. <laughs> Cheney's a dick, right? He was just a... You
2: know, one thing I can't do and won't do is comment on the people I cover in terms of, you know, my opinions of them because, you know, we're... we're, Trying to be We uh, have new standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, the weird thing is about America, I will say, is that I have friends who worked in the Bush administration Mm -hmm. who I consider very good friends. Uh I have friends in the Obama administration that I loved... I even have a couple friends in the Trump administration. Okay. And they all were professional people and reasonable minded people. And they just had a different, they were in a different camp Uh about how America should spend its money and how it should be led. It's when you get to the masses and how they behave and what they think where you get into the ridiculous extremes and how and I don't mean everyone I'm, I just mean there's a there's a gradation of people who go all the way to the extremes and there are some people out there who think that some of the craziest things about your access to the White House or um, I mean I had a family member asking me to ferry a joke to the president <laughs> And I'm like... No. Steve. Oh, I can't mention their names. <laughs> is, it, is it anyone sitting at this table? No, it's oh, not. Okay. All right. <laughs> but I was like well, What was the joke though? Can we I, hear the joke? It was it was it was a homemade joke and it wasn't very funny. And I'm like <laughs> No, I I don't, like a homemade a, bomb. I don't talk to these people. It's not like I'm hanging around at the White House like, "Hey, Mr. President, glad you're walking by," like it's a sitcom. Right, you know, right. We only see these people in the events that they're covering and their game face on, and the people that I interacted with were managing the events and, and and but what about whatnot? you flew on Air Force One, though, right? Yeah, a bunch of times. Yeah. Like probably. I mean, I like I, to say like a hundred times, but I mean, if I counted, it might be like... Didn't Rummy come 40 out and, and just
1: like, you know, flash you guys every once in a while or something like that? <laughs> uh,
2: no. The only thing I can remember is uh, one time I um, I flew with Rumsfeld with a group of journalists and we were I was in the pool. I was the pool photographer. So there was uh-huh. one photographer Explain sharing Explain to the
1: nation what the pool means.
2: Okay, so the White House travel pool is Uh usually 12 journalists who fly on air force one and they some of them represent like there's one radio correspondent there's one tv correspondent a tv cameraman a tv sound person several you know the wires are represented it totals up to be about 12 people and um some of those news organizations share their material, particularly the broadcast and the Mm -hmm. correspondent, with the other ones. So they don't have enough seats for everyone. So it's a pool. They pool the material. Uh, AP didn't pool it. They were in the pool, but AP distributes to everyone worldwide, um, all the news organizations, which encompasses almost every news organization in the world. And um, Getty, uh, uh, um, AFP, Reuters would be on there
1: Reuters is still around oh yeah yeah really
2: UPI's not around I mean Uh. UPI's not doesn't have the presence they used to they they, they barely exist I'll
1: never forget this 1984 Los Angeles uh, Reagan is running for re-election okay and he's gonna he's going to Century City to make, do a fundraiser, you know, a $200 plate or whatever, $5,000 plate fundraiser, essentially. And I'm at the ATM on Sapoda Boulevard, and I hear these, like, sirens and lots of engines, and it's his, you know, it's his motorcade going towards, you know, going towards this fundraiser. And you see the cops, you see the limos, you see the armored trucks, you know, all that kind of stuff. And at the very end, you saw these two, like, big vans with the reporters, I guess the pool, You know, and two or three of the guys are like, uh, Trashmen or firemen, they're like on the end. They're like outside the van, hanging on for dear life. That was probably a cameraman trying to get B-roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was, but I thought it was, it was the fucking most hilarious thing. It's like, look at these guys because because everyone, you know, the president's rolling through, everything stops. They stop traffic. It's like, and like the last couple vans are is like guys like on the roof, just hanging on for dear life oh, with their wow. ca- like you with your camera hanging uh-huh. out and all, you know, strapped on your shoulder, and they're hanging on, you know. So that well, no. you,
2: you know, nothing makes you look more important than being in the president's motorcade. Uh, yeah. okay. The <laughs> truth of the matter is, nobody's important. Okay. <laughs> there's, only, there's only one important person in that package, yeah, and yeah. everyone else is just doing their job. Right. And it's a rolling show. You know, it's it's like, it's like a it's a road show, and they're always campaigning while they're setting policy and whatnot. But anyway, this flight with Rumsfeld, uh, we went around the world. We flew on the kneecap plane. And uh, it's a doomsday plane. It's a seven forty-seven, and it's like a floating war room. Oh. And uh, we went to uh, Singapore, and um, I think Bangladesh for okay. the Shangri La conference or something. The Shangri La conference was in Singapore. Anyway, uh-huh. that uh, sounds cool. Anyway, Shangri-La. he he, yeah. he had a couple stops, and <laughs> and uh, we're flying on this plane, and and um, I realized that. Um, when I got to our hotel for the first night that I forgot to pack my underwear (laughs) and and we're moving, we're running and gunning. And I, I, uh, I'm like, gee, well, so it's, we actually circumnavigated the globe. We went from one side of the globe to the other, back to DC. And I realized that I did it in one pair of underwear. Wow. And I think, you know, there's probably a Guinness book of world records, Waiting for me.
0: Okay.
1: I, no, you don't I, know my friend Tony. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I lay claim to fame. Someone <laughs> yeah, else yeah. might top me, but yeah. I, <laughs> you striking out
2: of the globe. And you uh, check I mean, it out. It, there's always ways you can top yourself. Like, I mean, one of the most epic days of my life, uh, incredible, memorable day that I'll never forget. I went through divorce mediation, uh-huh. and then I had two cavities removed without anesthesia wow epic i mean you're, you're memorable truly s- memorable yeah, well, just a, f- i'll never forget that day a sadist, and here today i just had my first colonoscopy i was good at, we were gonna morning, get to that yeah and now i'm on your show right which yeah, is so. just as epic yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There you so go, man. you know there's always you can always you yeah, can always you met, one up yourself yes you, right. you, you, you may so,
0: feel a slight pressure later on in the podcast as well
2: <laughs> but i digress yeah and but you've so changed anyway, underwear since right yeah
1: absolutely since this morning right strategy
2: i'm like, you know what? Just move slow, be calm, keep yourself neat, you know, just like roll with it and just be cool. And, you know, I got back at the end and I was like, everything was fine. I just took a lot of showers as often as I can. Well,
1: I had my first one a couple of years ago. Oh, you're talking about
0: with the with the underwear?
1: Yes. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> 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 talking about?
2: That's why I'm a photographer, not a reporter. Okay. I thought you were talking about the first time you had sushi. No,
1: but, <laughs> no. but Anyway, so it was your first colonoscopy. And did they tell you we would need to see you back like in five, six years? No, and, it went quick and smooth. And, yeah, that's cool. Because yeah. yeah.
0: Manny, you were saying that that uh, well, they told no, you...
1: They told me we'll see you back in 5 years and i said i don't think so <laughs> after what i went through for that you know the pre the pre game stuff is the most pre <laughs> game yeah I, 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 the way to talk i guess it's the way game warm up the warm up all that fluid uh, I, I no problem with it really nice. I, I was just i was just violent we have a different
0: doctor we have, we, we we have to say yeah they have, probably
1: yeah. Improve, improve
2: the formula
0: well it's just a couple of years yeah, ago i, I don't really know weird. i don't know if they the made, formula but it's is, important I, I,
2: see i want to say this right now and i just want I mean, I'm 54. I should have done this, what, when I was 40 or something? No, no I think 50. 50. 50? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so I'm four years overdue. And I just want to say, it's, everyone had horror stories. Everyone lays these horror stories on you. And that's the whole thing about people's imagination versus reality. Right. And I was starting to go there with about, when we were talking about having friends in the White House, both administrations, mm-hmm. and the people out, you know, the extremes and the things that they think and believe that, that are not. Yeah, you know, correct. Well, no, I, but but that, the tr- can I just say is n- it's no harm. It was even my doctor was like trying to say, and you don't have to if you don't. I said you know I just want to check it out. It's this. Go ahead and do it. Just get your colonoscopy. It was not that big a deal. Yeah, it could save your the,
0: life. The, no, I know. I the know. Most people difficult lose, part lose was the sleep
2: deprivation because you got to wake up at like three a.m. and drink some more fluid. You know, yeah, then that's then it. You no, know, you know, the procedure wasn't itself painful. is nothing. The procedure itself, is right, not, right.
1: For me, the the pregame warm Okay. For no. me, it was it was a little. I mean, maybe just because my the way my constitution is built or whatever, but I found myself just like, you know, I was like, uh, I'll be back in a couple of hours, dear. Well, it's, it's, yeah. it's, a,
0: it's, a, it's it's a lot, know, of, I, lot of stuff to drink. You also, uh, besides the White House covered. Uh, you were back here when they had the Deepwater Horizon yeah. uh, explosion, the Gulf oil spill.
2: Well, yeah, t- that, and I was, so, um, covered the White House, and then while I was in Washington, I covered nine eleven as well.
0: Oh, okay. And that was
2: a very, um...
0: Oh, man, that must have been crazy. Very powerful,
2: changing time in my life, too. All right. Um, and, uh, I got married during that time, my first marriage, and, um, and it was stressful on the two of us. It was, it was, uh, um... But I was at the Pentagon about ten minutes after the plane hit Wow, no and kidding. then I was at Ground Zero the next morning mm. and then I was in New York for a couple of weeks and then then went on a month later, I went on to Pakistan and Afghanistan um, and um, and we had two miscarriages during that time oh, geez, one sorry. one before we left and one after I came back and you know that was so much happened during that time, it, you know it was like living ten or twenty years of your life and, yeah and um, got married the day. I left for Pakistan and Afghanistan. She wanted to know that, you know, if I came back in a box that we were married mm. and uh kind of, I guess that's what military people do when they get deployed. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. I mean, I didn't know what kind of stuff was awaiting me there, but, um, but, I you mean, know, that,
0: that wasn't something you had to do to, or, or was it? I mean, that was just an assignment we, that you got and then you, you,
2: well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I lived about a mile from the Pentagon uh-huh. and uh, uh, I had, been in Washington for two years. I remember I was in New York for 11 years before that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I covered spot news in New York. I mean, I worked for the Daily News for nine of those 11 years. Okay. And uh, so my photo editor called me and said, you know, a plane just hit the. I was, just, we had just flown back that night from uh, San Diego. I was covering a mm-hmm. uh, Redskins Chargers game for the Washington Times. Mm-hmm. And I got back at like 3 a.m. So when I got the phone call, I was what what's going on he said turn on the tv and he he thought at that point that it was something wrong with the air traffic control system or something cuz it's hard to process and believe right right all this stuff's going on and he's trying to be cautious and not not jump to extremes mm-hmm. and, well maybe it was something wrong with the and and the and uh it's like, oh no, that's a terrorist attack, and that's, you know, and, and I jumped in my car and I was racing. He sent me, he said, go to New York, okay? Because I, he knew that I knew New York really well. Right. And I, I was immediately formulating a game plan how to get to and into Manhattan because uh-huh. I knew the bridges and tunnels were going to be shut down. I knew, you know, and uh, uh, and I was telling him like, let's go to um, let's go to Patterson. I said no. I said uh, I got to get to like. Newark or Jersey City, I got to get down to the water. I'm going to pay someone to take me across on a boat because the bridges and tunnels are going to be shut down. I said Amtrak, they'll probably be stopping them in Philadelphia. Right. I said oh, we got to, you know, I'm thinking this logically mm-hmm, yeah. how cuz my years of experience with how things work, yeah. you know, and um uh and I'm heading towards there and I'm pa- pa- I'm in a little Jetta and I'm flying on down the um, GW Parkway and I see smoke coming up from behind Crystal mm. City and I was like I've covered several plane crashes, uh-huh. and I know that purple smoke. It was like a city block wide. It was purple, it, you know, it, it, purple-black smoke going like up. Aviation and people I, I was aviation. Yeah, the Pentagon. I was just like, yeah, it was like they hit the Pentagon. And, man, I just looked behind me. I pulled a hard right into Reagan Airport, circled around through. And before I knew it, I was looking at the Pentagon. Oh, gee. Fully involved. Oh. And uh, people were still streaming out of it. And I remember, you know, like – Think, the, the trick is to keep thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in some conflict zones, and, and you just want to think two, three steps ahead and be careful and think it through before you proceed to the next one, uh-huh. and, um, which maybe lends itself to flying as a pilot. I, you know, maybe that's why I like doing it because okay. uh, I don't have those kind of experiences as much anymore. Um, but um, I, I remember pulling on this little concrete island underneath the interstate, Think three ten, and I said, "Don't park in that parking field because they're going to rope it off. It's going to be a crime scene. You want to be able to get out, right?" And so I parked that thing. And I remember ten ten Wins, not ten ten wins. uh, WTOP uh, was saying, "And we're receiving reports of a fire near the Pentagon, and we're you know they were just hearing about it. Still didn't know what. And there was like report of a car bomb at the at the State Department, and." And I'm, they said, we're hearing reports of a fire, we're sending crews now, and I realized that, and seeing the people stream out the building, that I was one of the earliest on the scene. Wow. And, um, and I just remember, I had all my gear still together from that football game, and one of them was like a huge long lens, which came in handy, but I remember running across this parking field, like, you know, it must have been a half a mile, three quarters of a mile in the heat, and I was in shape, but, yeah. you know, my heart was... Jumping through my throat, oh, boom, geez, boom, my boom. Boom, boom. I couldn't breathe. I'm like, "Oh my God!" A cop waving me off, and a, so I whip out my short lens and I take a picture of the cop waving me off. It turned mm-hmm. out to be a dramatic picture of the cop waving with right. the building on fire in the oh, background geez. and people were triaged to burn victims. Oh, it was mm. just. Incredible. And, and there were reports of another plane coming in. And this uh, Pentagon cop was trying to chase me away. He's saying, get back. There's another plane coming. I'm like, I know. I got to photograph it. And he's like, there's another, you know. And, uh, and we were having this, like, I'm only going this far. And he's like, I need you. And... Um, and, and it never came and I think it was maybe that Shanksville plane
0: yeah the one that um, they, they yeah. yeah
2: I do remember a fighter jet roared right over the pentagon about 15 minutes before and I remember I wasn't able to get my camera up in time I just went
1: so let me ask you something and who won the game <laughs>
0: I don't even remember. Spins well, you don't the remember I don't, I don't remember everything else <laughs> I about this day. You don't can't remember what you thing you were there to cover. Well, <laughs> well so uh, 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 levity aside, um, uh the you being there uh, right at that moment, the these conspiracy theories where they say, well, it wasn't an airplane, it was a missile and we don't have any pick show me the plane parts. You were right there. You don't have any question in your mind that it was an airplane that, that I'm uh, sure
2: it was a plane. Yes. Uh, but I did not see any airplane parts that were recognizable. Yeah. There was debris. Right. But also, that Pentagon is like concrete rings. They have multiple rings. I can't remember how many there are, like four or five rings. Right. And, you know, if a plane hits it at that speed, I mean, a, a, a stall speed for an airliner is like 160 knots. You know, it's like 200 miles an hour. Okay. And... Um, I, 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 it's not going to be. I could totally to that. reconcile that it disintegrated, or or the parts were in the second and third ring, like uh-huh. you know, which were also da- damaged and destroyed. Right, right. Um, but I, I think it, the conspiracy theories that were abounding were just ridiculous. And sure. um, you know, when I was in um, Pakistan, uh, I was covering all this unrest, uh, championing Bin Laden and championing the fall of the World Trade Center and uh-huh. the attack on America. In fact, they were, you know, ten, twenty thousand 20,000 strong. So you
1: went to Pakistan because Bush decided we're going to war,
2: right? No, we went to Pakistan because we knew that that's where the, somewhere, you know, Pakistan, Afghanistan. A lot of people got into Afghanistan, like, behind the Northern Alliance as they fought the Taliban and pushed them back. Um, but the, um, we went into Pakistan and got into uh, Afghanistan, a little later than those journalists who went behind them. So but we, we went because we knew that the attack, all the intelligence said, had come from. So, there was no,
1: is there a difference between Afghani heroin and Paki heroin?
2: I don't know. Okay. I've never done heroin. I don't. That. Okay. I,
1: I hope that. Because they both have poppies.
2: Sure, 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 yeah, yes. yeah the um, target rich environment yeah. well, I just <laughs> yeah. I just hope that um, everyone I know doesn 't do heroin because yeah no a, no stay so. clean, kids yeah. Yeah. stay, clean. Yeah. Um, yeah, stay yeah, clean yeah nation, yeah, stay clean, nation and if
0: you do, make sure you uh, throw those needles away don 't throw them yeah. in the street but look, um, like, you're like a self respecting yeah. junkie, you know, <laughs> <laughs> clean up after yourself
2: exactly, yeah, um, but uh, I forget why we were getting on this thing about the crowds and bin Laden, um, but uh, it was it was a uh, Quite an epic scene. Oh, and I'm sure. Yeah. So you never made it to New York. You just stayed there by the Pentagon, right? You no, just, no, you I, went the next so day, I, stayed, right? I went that night. I left oh, okay. around midnight. Um, the logistics, it turns out I, there was gridlock everywhere. I couldn't even get out of there anyway. Uh-huh. But I ultimately got to a hotel, was able to file some of my pictures, ultimately got back to my apartment. A bunch of my photographer friends were already at my apartment using my Wi-Fi because I told them to. You know, go to my place because uh-huh. everyone was stuck on that side of the river. Okay, and uh, and then and then I was able to get some, myself together and head out around midnight. And then I was, you know, at Ground Zero for the next few days and covering all that. It was just, um, but
0: uh, now, do you feel like you had some PTSD from from all of that, being all that around all that trauma and stuff? I mean, I, that can't have have left you know no. I it's
2: it's a lifelong. Challenge. I would say probably. Yeah. Just, I I know for, there's no doubt that I've been through some experiences that were so extreme that I felt that when I would come home, no one could possibly understand what I went through. Okay. And it was very hard to reconcile that. And then if people treated you in marginal or trivializing ways or in petty ways or, you know, the kind of, Ways that people live, tend to live their lives right. in the United States, which uh-huh. was an eye opener for me um, it, it grated on you, it made you angry and, and you, I, I, I just feel like it was something that just stayed inside. but the challenge for me was always the realization and the understanding that how privileged we are to live in this country, the liberties and freedoms that we have mm-hmm. that were fought for right. And that people fled from, from all over the world, from from the beginning of modern America, from when, you know, the colonists came over. Uh And we're so privileged and we have so much to be thankful for. Most of the world, I feel like 80% of the world lives in little concrete rooms with seven, eight other people living in it. Most people have nothing. Right. And... And we're so privileged, and we don't even realize that We don't take advantage of it. So for me, it made me want to appreciate what I have. Okay. And live my life with the most gusto possible. Gusto. Nice. And to appreciate and work on my relationships with the people around me. Right on. And I come home, and like, two of my brothers wouldn't be talking to each other for like a year. Uh-huh. And we'd be, we'd go up on the levee, you know, we'd go to mom's and we'd grab a couple beers. We'd go up on the levee and, and it's like, well, I'm not talking to him. I'm not talking to him. And I'm like, guys, what, Yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, come on, you got a good family. You have wonderful parents. You have everything you could ask for. Maybe not everything you'd ask for, but everything that other people wish they had. Right. And what are you doing? And, and so, and I get caught up with two and I do to this day, but it's, it's always a challenge and a struggle. So it was a mental exercise for me to be incredibly grateful for what I have and um, to not fight the things that don't come my way uh-huh. and, and just live life. I really believe we're intended to live a happy and robust and beautiful life. And we have all the clues around us it's up to us to find the clues. And I can say that See, Manny, whether I I'm a practicing Catholic or I'm not. sorry I wasn't listening. What did you <laughs> say? <laughs> just, you know, just cheers.
1: Cheers. Well, no, speaking of it's uh, cheers, it's time for our second round, Nation. Yes. So, so, so let's take, take a break, break, and we'll get a second round. And we'll be right back.
0: And we're back, back in the ring room, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet, back with Gerald Herbert, our, yes. uh, our guest, uh, AP photographer. He's just you were you were telling us about uh, being overseas and how it made you so appreciative of, of uh, you know everything we have in America. And I I must say, uh, you know, being from New Orleans as a kid, I thought, well, I can't wait till I grow up and can go somewhere cool. And then, and I, uh, you know, grew up and started going on the road with with the band and traveling all over the place. The more places I went. In the U.S., the more I realized how lucky I was to have been from New Orleans, you know, because it is one of the, the coolest places in in uh, in the country. And then went on the went overseas, and you know, on, on the road. And the more places I went, the more patriotic I became about America. You know, not not that I mean, everything America does is perfect, but uh, as you say, we, you know, uh, and I was. Uh, maybe patriotic. At, like at this time in Europe, you know, you couldn't get something to eat after uh, after ten o'clock. You know, most most places. You know, was a, that was a was a, a for, or maybe like a horse burger or something down the central square. You know, you could could get that. But so I, it it <laughs> made it made me okay. uh, very nostalgic and and uh, and patriotic for uh, you know. Be able to go to Seven Eleven and get a get a hot dog out a stickers I don't know corn dog. I don't know where you're going with <laughs> where this. Where I'm going hey, with
1: this? Know, okay. Know. Well, you remind me of my old tenant from Columbia. You know, they would go to Costco. <laughs> there was two people. They'd go to Costco every Sunday. There were Costco members. There was two people, and they'd come home with like 48 dozen eggs or whatever. You know, <laughs> How and could you rolls of. Use that? Yeah, rolls, you know, 24 rolls of toilet paper. It was like. And, and I you can't send them it. back home. And I was like, bread. what are you doing? And he just kept saying to me, it's America, Manny, it's America. Medica. Yeah, like, you're not going to eat these 48 eggs. He, he wanted to experience
0: the bounty, even if he was yeah, yeah, just like yeah. bathing in them or something. You know, because
1: you know, like, he, you know, he was trying to send home, like, they bought so much stuff here in America. He was trying to send it home when they moved back to Colombia. They they sent home like 12 boxes of stuff and then they had like 12 pieces of luggage they got on the plane with. Oh, and, and they were trying to send home, like, you know, a cast iron grill that they found. You know, I got this for like $100 in America. In Colombia, it would cost me $400. I go, wow, dude, it can't... weighs like 40 pounds, man. You're not going to bring this. <laughs> You're going to pay, you know, just you know, the luggage fees. You're going to just, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I
0: remind you of that. I don't know. I don't know. No, how. well, that just
1: kind of reminds oh, okay. you. Because know, you, you were saying that you could go to a 7-Eleven here in New Orleans. But in, you know, uh, some place in Germany, you couldn't find, right, right, right. you know, a yeah. decent... No. Uh, no, no, no,
0: I think they've caught up to... Uh, I think they, they have many of those amenities now. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> the you the know. EU, you know. This is yeah. a, we're talking about the 80s when, uh, when, when I was first... Well, I
1: remember when I was in Spain in the late 80s, right. and I was working on a film there in the south of Spain, and I left because uh, I just realized this film, this is, this is not, good, not a good film. Yeah. Uh, so I remember, like, going to Madrid and just traveling by myself and, you know, going, you know, they, they have the siesta time. Right. Which I dug, but it took me a while to dig because... Get in the rhythm of yeah, it. Yeah, in the rhythm of oh, yeah. it because I'd have dinner at like 10 o'clock at night and then you'd go out and dance or whatever, party, and you sleep all morning. And then i get up wanting some breakfast... And there's siesta time going on. Everything's closed. I right. couldn't find a cup yeah, of coffee getting, or anything like that. I'm not you know? on the
0: Spanish schedule. I'm
1: not on the schedule. You know.
0: Well, now speaking of uh, of of Europe and traveling around, I uh, I saw the the remake of uh, Murder on the Orient Express the other day. Oh God!
1: Why would they remake that movie? Was a piece of shit to begin with. Why would they remake
0: it? I actually liked the remake. It oh had, really? Uh, Johnny Depp uh, had uh, you know. Uh, Kenneth uh, Branagh Kenneth Branagh, yeah, yeah, yeah and, uh, uh, Ida Lupino,
1: was she in it? Ida Lupino? Uh, I don't know <laughs> I don't know, uh, she's a 50s actress yeah, yeah, I think she
0: was <laughs> Was Montego but Bay in it? Yeah <laughs> Well, I was not but, uh, but yeah, they had a lot of snappy dialogue Some nice sets, you know, some nice uh, dressing Well,
1: when I was a young kid mm-hmm. I was told Agatha Christie, read her books uh-huh. You know, by an English teacher like in 8th grade and I read like three or four of her books, and I thought, well, I guess they're good, <laughs> you know. I, but then I, you know, they made them into movies, and the movies suck too. Okay, you know. So I don't. I'm not a big Christie fan, you know. I, I, I you like the film?
0: I like the film. Yeah, yeah. I, you I, liked
1: I, it as as much as Bohemian Rhapsody? I, I, I might have. Yeah, did yeah. you cry during Murder I, on the I, I Express? Did not cry. You didn't cry. I didn't.
0: tell you where I cried the other day is uh, my son was watching the draft. The basketball draft.
1: Oh, really? Did, did you
0: see any of that? You know, yeah. uh, the the Pelicans drafted. The, they had the first draft oh, yeah. choice. So they, Zion. Zion Williamson. Williams.
1: Yeah. Williamson. Okay. Yeah.
0: So he gets up. So my son has it on. I would never turn on. It's, I'm not a sports guy. You know, I, I watch the Saints because my son's into it. You know, but uh, so so. But he's, he's playing it. And the guy gets up and he's talking about his mom and he starts crying and the mom's crying yeah, and now I'm crying. You never my seen whole, a
1: draft before? My, they all say that during my, the draft.
0: My, but but it was it was moving, man. My whole family was tearing up. Oh really? and then And then and then so we got over that. One. And then the second guy gets up and, he's, and he does the same his thing. His dad's there. He's talking about his dad. The dad's <laughs> crying. He's crying. Now we're all crying again. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
1: But that's the draft. That's the football draft. That's the NBA draft. Yeah. Twenty
2: million dollar yeah. deposit into my bank account. make me cry too (laughs) (laughs) but here's the thing New Orleans better be prepared for this
1: they're all hyped about this kid Zion Uh but 90% of Duke players are bust in the NBA
0: they're always a bust have you seen this kid? Play? Yes,
2: I've seen him Isn't play. It the same about, you could say that about all the players in the NBA.
1: Well, well, you I mean, know,
2: but, but Duke players,
1: you know, because Duke is, you know, on a threshold. They're like, they're up there, you know. You know? But 90% Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley, all these great players that played great in college uh-huh. were all bust in the huh. NBA. I wonder and why. You can actually okay. Google it.
0: I I've, think that's still better percentages than the uh, success rate of AA. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. look at us. So, yeah. You know what
2: else? Uh, 80% of pro athletes go bankrupt as well because yes, they don't know how to handle their something. money and everybody's preying on them and there's... Uh, you know, a lot That's of times terrible. their money's taken about well, stolen by their accountants. Yeah, and but he's yes, thanking yes. his
1: mama, but also you got to remember, and I, I don't want you know, this is a fact, Renee. Okay, that, um, <laughs> okay, that a lot of these athletes, like in football and stuff, they get drafted, they get these big contracts, and then like you know, they've got all of a sudden friends and cousins that they've never seen before. Sure, you know, leeching off them, and all of a sudden, like for you know, NFL is a perfect example because the average uh, career in the NFL is three years. Right. Three years, and last year someone like Breeze or Brady, or, right. you know, or Manny, you know, <laughs> no Manning, yeah, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. Uh, so and all man. of a sudden, all of a sudden, their ten million dollar contract, they get up front,
0: right? You live in a big home. Five years later, you're, you know,
1: you're working deals. at the Seven Eleven. You love S- Seven sell Eleven. Right? Selling me a hot dog instead. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or <laughs> Slurpee, saying, uh, a root beer Slurpee. <laughs> yeah. Remember those Rene Rootbeer Slurpees?
0: Rootbeer Slurpees. Yeah.
1: Anyway. 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 Back to our guest. Back to Gerald Herbert. Yeah. So
0: so we we're talking about you being overseas now. Now that's that can be a dangerous job for a photojournalist. I mean, that's uh, you must have had friends who didn't come back.
2: Yes. And I saw the movie Salvador. So I, I want to say there's. I have so many colleagues and friends who their whole lives they're covering conflict zones and and those kind of things. I've had some tastes of it. Uh So I can't, I don't want to misrepresent myself out of respect to those who have lived it and breathed it for years and years and years. But I've had my doses of it and I've gone, and um, it can be. And, um, uh, you know, um, Pakistan and Afghanistan was that. Um, I was in... uh, covered some unrest in the West Bank I covered uh, I've been New to Haiti yeah yeah I grew up over there man it was tough yeah, the yeah, Fisher Project yeah yeah it was tough over there man you don't want to go through there at
0: night yeah.
2: no uh, the um, I was in Haiti probably 15 somewhere between 15 and 20 times for the New York Daily News and then the Washington Times and once for the AP, uh, covered the earthquake. That was horrible. Oh, man. Um, and, uh, but during the dictatorship and the, U- and the U.S. intervention and elections. Baby and, Doc. and there was a lot of killing going on. But and,
1: I remember uh, um, the Haiti coverage you did. Didn't you bring home a soccer player?
2: Yes. From Haiti? Yeah, James. Uh, So there were these two boys. uh, So my my running mate, uh, who uh, was a love of mine, we were in a relationship for four years, is this wonderful, amazing photographer and person. Um, Her name's Carol Guzzi, and she was with the Washington Post for a long time. Uh, And um, we covered Haiti together a lot. And... um, and during all that unrest, and all the photographers bonded with each other. we'd travel around in cars for multiple, several of us in one car for uh-huh. safety and because of economics right. and um, uh, and these two kids uh, these two little six year olds they 'd show up everywhere there was unrest that we were photographing these little kids with big smiles on their faces were showing up like tugging on our shirt sleeves like "Hey hey, and we 're like, "Get out of here, get away, this is dangerous you right. know and but they but <laughs> they didn 't care they you know you knew these kids- you know they they seemed to be able to navigate fine on their own at that tender young age, and then they 'd hop in the car with us we'd be get, trying to leave a situation we'd like get in the car, you know you 're coming with us and then then they'd come hang out at the hotel with us and we'd bring them home to their parents at night and you know one night, I remember we were um, it was late, and we didn 't want to drive to city Soleil at night this which was a you know a bad dangerous drive, And we was like let's We'll keep them here and bring them home in the morning. I just remember Carol and I brought these kids home, and and their dad, one of the boys' dads, was so angry. He's like I didn't know where my kids were, mm. just like an American parent would yeah. be. And you kind of take it for granted because you think that the rules don't apply there, you know, because of all the unrest. You forget, you know, and, and so we got to meet the parents and, and whatnot. So these kids, we kept shepherding them, and uh, one one night we were all at the Olofsson Hotel all the journalists, we all stay at the Olufsen. Have you ever, have you ever read uh, The Comedians by Graham Greene? Um, so, no. So, you should. I okay. highly recommend it. It's an amazing story and it captures Haiti perfectly and even though it was written in the 40s, it could have been written, you know, in the 90s or the 2000s and, um, but the hotel that, the, that it's based on uh-huh. is the Olufsen. Oh, okay. And we all stay at this Olufsen. It's a beautiful old... Um, uh, colonial architecture type mm-hmm. hotel with verandas and ceiling fans and and um, there was a lot of drinking going on because, you know, people would drink and smoke uh, to calm the, You know, because it was stressful. And you're exposed to extreme poverty and political retribution, which is possibly two of the worst things you can combine together. And, uh, and you're covering it and it's just ripping you apart. And all the journalists became really tight. And... Um, so one night we are at the Olufsen, and and Cedric and James were the two kids were like no longer in school because of money and we I passed around a hat so let's get to collect some and all these journalists were on expense account it was during the embargo so everything was cash there was no credit cards so everyone okay. came with wads of cash right you know and like ridiculous amounts of cash mm. and there were no receipts for anything, and uh-huh. this is back when newspapers made money. Right. Yeah, you know, the account. The, you know, the, the editors were appreciative of the work you did under such dangerous circumstances sure. or trying circumstances. Mm. And um, all of a sudden, I had a hat with enough money to put like, you know, six, seven kids in school. Wow. They were like, yeah, here, just you know, like, and nice. we all of a sudden we found a way to give back that was politically neutral, that mm-hmm. was journalistically acceptable. Mm-hmm. Just put money together for some kids to put them in school nice, nice and uh and then that thing grew and i started it i did it for a few years one point it grew to about like 85 kids oh wow in school and and, and then for um, you. so um but they were the genesis of it uh sadrak got started running with gangs and he got killed mm. um went back for his funeral and buried helped bury him oh, and um helped you know, and James, I've paid for things for him during his life, mm-hmm. um, you know, medical things, family funerals. I I bought him a house in Haiti. Oh, wow. You know, I, spe- I, I would put, put, and anyway, so he became a really good, we gave him a soccer ball when he was a little kid and he wound up being on the Haitian well, the, yeah, yeah. Juni- the Haitian, the junior national team the oh. Haitian soccer team. Wow. And uh, and then he started playing Haitian pro soccer for Igles Noir, the Black Eagles. Okay. And uh, and um, at one point uh, he got a visa through the uh, Haitian Soccer Federation. And as soon as he got that visa, uh, we flew him out to the States and he stayed with me. And we went, uh, at this point, I, you know, this is years later, uh, Carol and I were friends, but we weren't in a relationship together. But... Um, you know, Sadrak and I—I I took him to New Orleans, and then we flew up to D.C. to to see Carol because he considers her his mother, uh-huh. and me his father, uh-huh. and nice. uh, and he goes, me Dad, fudder. and um, and so then we and you know we had this incredible trip, and it's really interesting. <laughs> I'll never forget. He wound up first. He got into Miami. I told him pack light. You know, don't pack a lot of clothes because mm-hmm. I'm thinking we're going to buy a lot of stuff here for him sure. and send them back. With right. You know, we're going to take care of him. So I get a call from like immigration in Miami <laughs> and like, uh, Mr. Herbert. And he starts asking me questions about James. He goes, well, we're just wondering because he has a, a ticket with a long stay, but he only has a tiny little bag. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's usually, he went, you know, side. so I told him the story and he goes, okay, that pretty much fits with everything he told us. Okay. And, right. and, and then he finally gets to new Orleans at like 11, his plane lands at like 11 at night out of Miami and I pick him up at the airport. We're driving tonight. this kid's exhausted. He'd never been. This is a soccer player, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, um, and I remember we're driving and I lived in mid city and I remember driving up the I-10. We get off at uh, Metairie road exit, mm-hmm. um, and, um, to get onto canal Boulevard. I mean, canal, canal street. Right. And, um, we drive under that overpass, you know, mm-hmm. where it goes up yeah. and he's just looking up and he's exhausted. He's just, he's probably been, his day probably started at 4 a.m. Right. And he's just looking up at this thing at night. And he goes, Futter. And he points up at the overpass. He goes, what they do up there? Yeah, <laughs> he goes. He's like, "What is that thing? Right? Like, are there people up there? What? He, it was completely foreign to him, and I would try to explain yeah, to him. That's the and really, I just realized, it. like, on, it was yeah. kind of magic for people. You know, I was in India. I did a, a story on Mother Teresa. I went to Calcutta oh, on my wow. own time, and um, and I met Mother Teresa, and she allowed me into her missions that they, they normally don't okay. let photographers in. They're kind of monastic by mm-hmm. nature and humble and, and they, you know, sensitivity issues. And, but she, I wrote her a letter. She never replied. So I f- flew to Calcutta and I knocked on the door well, like it was the kingdom of Oz. And wow. they, they, you know, they let me in, they gave the letter to mother and, uh, anyway, so um, I just had this incredible experience in Calcutta, and that's what I was saying about the poverty you see around the world in City Soleil in Haiti and in Calcutta. It's unbelievable how resilient the human spirit is, yeah. and, and how beautiful people are, and how little they have to work with, and you realize that like we're all equal, you know? And that's exactly what my parents taught me, was to be egalitarian. Yeah. You know, that there we're nothing special over anyone else, no matter what our means. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes, we all have the same experiences, you know, in terms of like joys and sorrows in life right. that are universal that have nothing to do with how much money you have and what kind of house you live in. So
1: what's but, this kid doing so, so, now? Uh,
2: so, oh, so He's a soccer uh, player. I just want to mention one quick thing about Calcutta. Mm-hmm. One of the most amazing, funny things I've ever seen, and I wish I had shot video of it. Um, they built a small subway system. It was like one line in Calcutta and they had escalators. And most people in Calcutta have never seen an escalator. And it was the greatest fun to go stand at that escalator. And families, a whole family would come in, like just with a little subway, probably uh a lot of money to ride the magic stairs. Uh, And they would, watching them try to get on, uh-huh. in the front and they'd be like oh no 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 and they'd be uh-huh. freaking out and then get on and then watching them get off when they get that moment of fear as they get into the top it's like jumping out of an airplane for oh. them. like oh my god what do I do and oh they go up and down you know and I would just sit there and just like it was truly one of the most magical things I've ever seen and it's probably like we're probably at that point in the world where escalators are Everywhere now. (laughs) Right. And you'll
0: never see that again. There's no innocence left. Yeah, that's right. Right. It's
2: all gone, man. The flashlight, you know, the roof's pulled off, the spotlights are on everything, and there's no mystery left in the world. So... You
0: know, hearing you tell all these stories... So we
2: make up our own mystery, you know, we make up shit in America, Okay. you know, about entire ethnic groups or... Uh, you know, about what freedom know. is and what yeah. what the Constitution means and what it doesn't mean. Uh-huh. And Americans are fighting themselves. They're just making shit up. And and I'm segwaying, but okay. I, I believe it's that pivoting, it has to do... Pivoting. Pivoting. <laughs> I believe it has to do with the complete and utter failure of our... Uh, Education system yes. in America across the board yes. for at least two generations. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, Americans are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you
1: know, no. you heard it here first, nation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gerald <laughs> Herbert <laughs> is not holding yeah. back.
1: He's um, not holding back. Uh, no, no, that's well, what this
2: show's about, right?
0: Oh no, that's absolutely oh, yeah, what it's yeah. about. Yeah. No, I, like we used to have civics classes. You know, it's like I, I think our many people in, in government right now should take a civics, civics class and and understand, you know, the, the way government is supposed to function, and, uh, and even then, this is Orleans Parish public school system, so it wasn't
2: the best,
0: but, you know, we, it was, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe better than it's been since then. Uh
2: but no d- oh, go I, ahead I interrupted you Manny.
0: No well you were he was asking you about uh about the soccer player Where, Yeah no he, uh, oh. his, no I met, uh-huh. right. yeah,
1: I met him. Yeah, I met him years later as a, he's like a teenager right. or whatever. I
0: think he was in his 20s. Yeah. But now he's an adult. He's, yeah, he's yeah. got and he still lives in Haiti. He's got but two I thought or three. he was I think so he's
2: got three kids. Oh, wow. I, so you're a grandfather. <laughs> and, well, you know, the calls for money Yeah. 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 haven't stopped. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know. Yeah.
1: But, but no, um, I remember when I met him, he was a very tall kid, very tall guy, if I remember. Mm-hmm. And it was at your folks' house, and you guys we were doing a little lunch or dinner for him and all that. And he, he went around, I don't know if this is a Haitian thing or something like that, but he went around patting everyone's head. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. You know, he was patting my head. He patted Selena's I, head. That's he, funny, he I was patting it, everyone's huh. head, huh. and that's when I left. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, It
2: must have been a gesture of affection. Yeah. You, you know, it's yeah. you know, you know weird. Like one thing about covering Haiti, uh, it was my God. The things that you've seen would blow your mind, and it's right off the coast of the United States. Yeah. And it's a direct result. Of, of the Dominicans, man. No, the fucking Americans. Uh, Slavery.
1: It's a direct. You know, it's a right. depot for but, but for the f- fucking Dominicans, man. They think they
2: rule that island.
1: <laughs> they, they fucking they, do. They only give when the Haitians like ten when you drive percent through of that
2: through the Dominican Republic. I've done it twice. When when I had to get into the country yeah. when the borders were closed, when yeah. you couldn't get in. One one was during the dictatorship when Sadras um, was about to be. Uh, Capitulated... uh, Cedros Ghali? No. um, um, uh, Raul Cedros was a dictator, a brutal dictator, one of many... A long line of brutal dictators. But the Dominicans, man. But you drive through the Dominican Republic, and the other was the earthquake, both times. When you drive through the Dominican Republic... It like you think it's like, you know, you get out of uh, Santo Domingo and then you got it looks a little poor, looks a little poor. And then you say, well, this is really rural. This is very, you know, simple life. This is what I call poor. Mm-hmm. And then when you cross a border in Haiti, man, it's like, you know, it plummets another 10. Yeah, wow. Wow. I blame
1: wow, the okay. Dominicans it's for that, just, man. I blame the Dominicans. Well, a,
2: they're, they think
1: they're better than the Haitians. Yeah, and you know, and see, we'll see what's going on with the Dominicans right now. All those people, Americans are dying from mini bars and 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 weird things. Yeah, have oh, you heard? Don't, of don't I, I have. Yeah. Don't blame the Haitians. No, I'm not no, blaming. No, I'm no, blaming. No, it. no I love. Listen, Gerald. I, I know Gerald, what Gerald, I've said this I- for thirty, forty years. I love all peoples of the world. Except the Dominicans. Okay, I don't well. like the Dominicans. I thought you loved 40% of the people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you working the, on that Yeah The yeah. Dominicans are evil man uh, I don't I, like I will not or, say that I yeah, think yeah, most
2: yeah, people yeah. Are good people yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. Beautiful Amazing people They you know. shot a baseball player Last that's, week well, That's one mayor. guy shot Yeah but that's yeah. Uh, No
1: but there was Eight guys involved okay, With it well, eight guys What happens in this player.
2: country That's so hard You know yeah, yeah, that's yeah. If anything You can look at it and say They got a breakdown In their in their security And their criminal justice system You know Every country You can't have a stable country Without security And the Haiti is a great example of that. You know, without security, it falls to shit. Right. And, and, and Haiti st- always struggled with um, security. You know, the, yeah. the army and the police were arms of the dictator. And it's it. The, unfortunately, the paradox is when a dictator, a brutal dictator was in charge, there was a curfew at night. Everyone obeyed. No one was on the streets. You know. But the problem was they were killing people at night indiscriminately, and, and they was, you know. And then when the dictator leaves, then you, have, you don't have security, and then you have, like, upheaval and, you know, anarchy. Deja but Cage, do you have recycling when the dictator leaves?
1: <laughs> Recycling's a Definitely big Definitely not. You don't have oh any my recycling.
2: God. No. Well, you know what? Let me tell you something. You go to the Haitian dump, and it doesn't stink. <laughs> there's there's well, nothing there's no there's literally no meat left on the bone. Yeah. I mean, if a yeah, chicken bone goes yeah. into the dump, I mean the gristle, right. the cartilage is chewed off But let off. me ask you it's, something. And even then, you know, there's like wild pigs foraging looking right. for Do something. Do they have bathrooms at the dump?
1: Cuz here I went to the dump here in New Orleans to drop off some palm branches. To drop what? <laughs> to dr- well, to get rid <laughs> of a had to bunch take of a- I went to the uh, Louisiana landfill because mm-hmm. I was clearing out my backyard of all these dead branches. And they from didn't wind. have a restroom. And no they bathroom? Did. They didn't have a restroom. Didn't have one. They didn't you, have didn't, one. you didn't pregame?
0: It's, it's pee outside. Um, didn't pregame. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. So, Gerald, I'm glad you, you, we brought this up about the dump because that's actually uh, one of your, your, uh, your pet issues here locally. In Jefferson Parish. Yeah. I, I saw that, that. As a resident. As a resident. And a, a I've been victim, gassed
2: out of my own bedroom uh, in my own home is with that, foul, toxic, so, so the, well, the, I won't the, say toxic, the, but foul the, stench. The,
0: the Jefferson Parish Sanitary Landfill. Has become such a problem.
2: Sanitary? That's not part of their well, name.
0: Isn't? Is it not sanitary landfill? It's called
2: the Jefferson Parish landfill, right? Okay, I thought. Let's it was, leave the word sanitary. Okay, out of
0: well it. that may be a misnomer, but I think well that let me that might ask you something. Called. Sanitary napkins. Okay, well no, we're okay. What? Wait, wait, wait. Sanitary napkins.
2: Don't flush them,
1: please. I'm so a there are sanitary napkins. Yes, I am. So what are that. the other napkins we use? I They're don't. unsanitary. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Manny.
0: Yeah, uh, I used paper towels, you know. So, uh, okay. An- anyway, uh, so I saw that that this is an issue of yours, and you've actually become an activist.
2: Uh, and- no, I'm not an activist. Okay. I have to be very careful. Okay, not an activist. And I had to talk to my editors, okay. and you know, I. You're a concerned citizen. They said, as a resident, you you know, it's. I liken it to this: if you know, people are speeding down your street all the time because it's a three way, a shortcut, and all the neighbors are like oh my god people are blowing down this street we got kids playing outside you know you have every right as a citizen whether you're a journalist or not to to have a meeting with the police or the officials and say, sure. you guys got to stop this. Right. What are you doing about this? Right. You know, quality of life issues. So what I did was I became a data collector for the community and I just was collecting smell reports. Smell reports. I love yeah. that. And yeah, I, yeah. and I, um, and we can, we got more data than the LDEQ has. Right. You know, and, and, okay. and it's not scientific data. It's not, it's not empirical data, but it's anecdotal. Right. Uh, you know, of the experiences of the people in the parish. And yeah. when you lay it in front of the, the city council and the parish president and p- and, and the and everyone in the media and you share it with them, um, then it's an issue that cannot be denied. It can't be swept under the rug.
1: But didn't no one notice the smell until you moved into the neighborhood, right? <laughs> <True>. <laughs> I mean, but, no one, there was no
2: news about it until you moved in, right? Well, you, but the third night, it was the most unbearable no, stench. What, what? My third night in my new home. I, I thought I've lost sleep over it. So I,
0: you moved into a into a home. And and then you realized it, but apparently it was something that had been going on already. I don't know. I don't know, or, I don't know if it was, was starting something to, that. I don't know if, if it was
2: reaching its zenith at this point, uh-huh. but I realized that there was no social media um, uh, discussion about it other uh-huh. than like on the Nextdoor app, and it was kind of random. And then you go back and you say, I, "I smell that smell again tonight. What is that horrible smell?" And and you look and you and um, and you wouldn't find it and and uh, you got to scroll and scroll and uh, and so then I would go on these Harahan Facebook pages asking people, does anyone know what the smell I'm just trying to find out what the smell mm-hmm. is and to find the find source and find a solution, right. you know, because it's not right. And, and right, sure. you just want to live your life. Yeah. And, and it's a civic thing. It's completely separate, from, you know. And, uh, and I've been very respectful to the people in the parish, too. I mean, I, I met with the COO of the parish and shared the data with them. And they took it very seriously. And they would started, when they realized how bad this – the data that I collected make painted a much clearer picture of it for them, right. which made them realize they had to kick it into high gear and act. I'm, I'm not saying just that, but it was a contributing factor right. and that's part of the community dialogue and with the, with the officials. I got to, I can't be an activist. I can't, Talk about who's no, going I to. I, I don't want to, you know. Sure. I, all I am is I'm collecting data and, and sharing it with people and saying, what's going on here? Who, who's fixing this? How it fix. But. Um, now, well,
0: as a kid, uh, you know, living in, in Orleans Parish, visiting people in Jefferson Parish, it seems to me that Jefferson Parish always smelled weird. You know, don't, don't you remember, like, you'd go to certain parts of Jefferson Parish, certain parts of Metairie, it always smelled like sewage a little bit.
2: It could be, you're right, they're random things, and that, and that's the thing about running a city in a parish. And
0: New um, Orleans never did. I mean, you know, it's not like it's a clean city, but it didn't have that, that, that. Uh, I mean we live odor. in a swamp, you know. There right, there's
2: right. organic smells.
0: Well, no, I that like natural, that. But like but that. like
2: the canals, you know, the like yeah. West Esplanade and West Metairie, they can get funky. There could super be super funky. And also is but the industry's expanding and 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 maybe the the it's expanding without the community input so that the com, the communities and the expanding industries can coexist so right. I, you know I, I don't know what the answer is and I'm not uh, but but all I know is they worked they worked hard at it the smells are reduced but they they spent a lot of money and they just said that they're going to have to spend a lot more money and it's going to take a lot more time and um, which you shows
0: those, those uh, little Christmas tree air fresheners right man, no that doesn't invested. do it oh no <laughs> no this man this smell <laughs> would come right into your, your bedroom
2: and wake you up in the middle of the night it was like I you wake you say up that going, crazy oh, what is this smell oh, <laughs> oh, <God>. it's like <laughs> <I> <laughs> God, home. you home You man. can't even, you don't even have it. Taco Bell, baby. But, but it, it's, <laughs> I, I gotta say, that I think they've made some progress. It's its not, so far, it hasn't been uh, like nearly as pronounced. Or? And it's only, and when it, so far, made, from what I've been experiencing, yeah. when it does happen, it's more fleeting. It's like 20 minutes and it's gone, huh. and maybe not at the intensity. So, well, progress is being good, made. You know? They
0: probably have a bunch of big fans. That's <laughs> probably nothing good. I mean, if it's, if it's like, well, they're, right. like well, they're,
2: apparently, from what i heard the the landfill kept expanding, and it uh, and we 're getting into the nuts and bolts of it, but um, it was not engineered for the size it is, so it expanded and it was under engineered and now they got big problems and God knows what went on during that time, like who raised the red flag and said, "Hey, we got problems here i don 't think anyone did who Where did all that money go? Who knows i mean who knows we man. just you know i mean. Well, better you than me.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the way I'm looking at it. was on, it was on Manny, 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 Manny
0: just say, close the window. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> close the window, turn on the AC. But there's, there's all I mean, kinds of other things uh, going on, man. There's get like, the, Febreze. the Febreze. Febreze is yeah. really
2: good. Yeah. Have you tried rub,
1: Febreze? Rub it on your
0: forehead. Oh, yeah. man, you know,
2: my truck right now stinks so well. It's gotten better, but I spent yeah. a lot of time. Those midges, those uh, blind mosquitoes, that infestation we had,
0: yeah, I I, oh I saw it in the newspaper. I, I I'm not I, familiar with them, but uh, Well, cuz they're yeah.
2: by the by the lake. And, oh, okay. And uh well, I'm by the so way. I keep a plane at Lakefront Airport. Oh, do you? And they and the, they got all in the hangar. I mean, billions just in my hangar. Oh, jeez. And then um dri- then we did a story on it. And I drove across the lake uh, across the causeway and they got all up inside my truck in the AC vents and everything. Oh my god. And when they die, they start, they smell like dead fish. Oh. And they're tiny little suckers And
0: You're plagued by all these odors. Man. Oh, yeah. I know. Ever since Nations. I moved back to Louisiana. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh my God. None you of this ever know, happened.
2: Yeah. Let me ask you this. I got more chips in my windshield since I moved back down back home. Well, yeah, because, you know, they like, don't, they what the don't hell? make them
0: cover the loads and, you know, it's all, they, they never I got like five streets. or six
2: yeah, yeah, and I got yeah, glass man. coverage in my insurance, but none oh, of them, uh, in order to replace the windshield, it's got to be like <laughs> over an inch, bigger oh, okay. crack or something. But, you know,
0: Manny, I'm, I'm looking around. It's, uh, I think we're going to we have clear to start wa- working here because if we stay any longer. <laughs> Is no, <laughs> the bar open? No,
1: no, no, no. The, no, the, the bartender just waved goodbye. Listen, yeah, we're going to have to call
0: it. All the lights are on. Already? Yeah. yeah wait, let's it.
2: do some more topics. I'm just, no, no. I'm just getting the buzz. I know. I know, no, I'm, just getting started. No. <laughs> I'm ready to get in trouble. No, no. Well no. we'll have you
0: back on, Gerald, now yeah. that we know you're so forthcoming. You know, you have this, this <laughs> Fourth, whole,
2: oh my god. This, this
0: whole uh yeah, as you're talking, I, I'm I getting, over-share. I'm getting images no not not for this podcast. No, uh, I'm getting images of like Hemingway and and you know it's it's very exotic. It's uh, it's 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 a classic. Yeah,
1: Hemingway it, and, uh, and Martin
0: Sheen and in in, uh, in uh, uh, Apocalypse, Apocalypse now, 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 you know, because you're,
1: you're talking about uh, how you know you you're when you're Harry uh, Dean Stanton and Repo Man,
2: sure, maybe. So sure. now you got to read The Comedians by Graham yes. Greene. Okay,
0: all right. Oh my God! All right, nation, we have a reading assignment. Check out uh, The Comedians by Graham Greene. Great. Great writer, and uh, you'll, you'll... And, know and Gerald, you Heady.
1: should share with your friends to listen to this podcast so we get not more Not my light. employers, though. No, not you. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I cussed a few times. Well, you did, yeah. Well, I was really cursed good. a few times, but I wanted a Rumsfeld but, joke. I thought there was a Rumsfeld
2: um, joke, yeah. No, the only thing was when we were flying back, um, this was kind of cool. We flew over Chinese airspace, and we were on this... It was a floating war room. Like, yeah, literally, yeah, the yeah, plane yeah, yeah. is full of military people. Right. And in order to go to the bathroom from the cabin we were in, we needed an escort because you're walking past these rooms. And, so,
0: uh, so, like, uh, like uh, you know, but, uh, little London boys, you need an escort to take a piss. So, they,
2: they, yeah. uh, they, they, got, <laughs> they saved, like, four hours by flying over Chinese airspace. But they said, yeah, but we got to go radio silent. We got to shut down all our comms because if we turn anything on other than the pilot's radio we're going to get an escort down and, anti-aircraft yeah yeah well you know they'll escort it down and then <laughs> oh, okay. they'll you know they what did Rummy do oh uh, what did Rummy do he just he just remember he came back in the cabin and uh it's where Wednesday. the press were yeah. and he had like a I don't know if it was a coca-cola or if it was a rum and coke uh-huh. and uh Dime but and I called coke. it a rummy and coke, rummy and coke. <laughs> 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 but he's like just he was just talking about the successes of the trip and he keeps swishing this glass around and his you you know and, the, and he was just chatting like like a dad your dad would or the yeah, boss would grandpa. Yeah. you know that's all it was he seemed like a nice guy <laughs> and, uh, okay
0: the known unknown and the that's unknown that's all I don't unknown. have any I don't have any Rumsfeld jokes
2: all right. I don't because um, I heard he Cheney was Cheney a jokes. partier I heard he was yeah, a partier i he wasn't but listen sure speaking of parties, seriously is, would you, all, if you were if you were the secretary of defense and you were a partier would you party in front of the like the White House press corps? No, no, we would not.
0: We would not. <laughs> I mean, and we shall not.
1: Well, our new administration maybe. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, not the old one.
2: Actually, you know, and I want um, I wish I had covered Bush forty one, because um, he was he loved the photographers. And um, hmm. and he would have it's not that photogenic, so it's, it's
0: very, very <laughs> odd.
1: And he married his mom, which was ouch. Really <laughs> <laughs> and she
0: looked <laughs> like uh, but, but George he, Washington. He, our to, he first knew president. them all by name, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, well, uh, Gerald, okay, we can't keep it. going. Yes, right, but thank bye-bye. you so much for being here. Um, it's, no, we're it's going. Wonderful. We're and, keep and, going. And, and, and we're. we're, we're we'll, <laughs> we'll, no, they we'll want us. Come on. We'll pick us up. And four more years. Four more years. (laughs) On the Troubled Men podcast We like to say Uh, uh, Trouble never ends
1: But the struggle continues Good night